You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Good morning. You know, when Bill had asked me to preach, I asked him what he was going to do, and he said lead worship. And uh, I have heard Bill brag about his singing days quite a bit. Um, In fact, he's given me multiple of his CDs. He keeps giving them to me. I don't know where they keep coming from, but Bill was in a band, and uh, if you want a CD, I'm sure he's got plenty more. He'd be happy to give you one. (laughs) But to be honest, I'm impressed. I haven't listened to the CD, but now I'm going to. (laughs) Because you guys were really good. In fact, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I was inspired by Bill's story last week not just to clean out my garage, but to also set up my Christmas decorations. And um, we went home on Sunday, and Shannon and Amelia was like, we gotta set up our Christmas decorations. And I proposed an idea this year that uh, she didn't really love, but, and hopefully this is no disrespect to anybody, but I proposed the idea of using the inflatable decorations. I always kind of dread setting up the Christmas decorations. I don't know about you guys, but ours are in our attic, and the attic is is small, so every time I crawl up there, I have to duck, and I hit my head, and I carry down all these decorations, and we set them up, and every year, I'm like, man, I don't want to do this, and so I said, let's just set up the inflatables. We'll just plug them in, and even our eight-year-old daughter, my eight-year-old daughter said, dad, we can't do that. That's cheating. We can't. We can't. She said, this was her word. She said, you literally just plug them in, and that's it, and I was like, exactly. Well, we didn't do it. We did, we did bring them down, and um, my wife reminded me that we are uh, using the same decorations that we've had for 14 years. And that's because I said that we only use them for one month, so we're going to just continue to use them for another 14 years. But um, we put up our Christmas decorations, and we put up our tree, and every year after we're done, we're always so thankful. And it reminds us that Christmas season has come, just like the Advent candle. And um, for those of you that don't know the meaning of Advent, Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or an event. Obviously, for us, this is Jesus. Advent for us is Jesus, and we get to celebrate that. And as you look around, I'm sure if you haven't already put up your decorations, you'll see too that the Christmas season is coming. And so I get the chance to kick off this new season, a new sermon series called The Arrival I've got a picture of my family. Um, they're not here today. Our youngest was sick yesterday. And the, the other two, Ellis and Nolly, if you're watching, I love you. Um, they're at home and they're with my wife and they didn't want to come today. They want to always stay with Shannon, which I understand. But um, we are honored to be a part of this church. We have got to see it from the beginning. In fact, almost from the near beginning of seeing it grow from a home to a church on McGregor to the church now here to having multiple properties. And it's amazing just to see how the Lord has blessed the church and it continues to grow it. And my wife and I, we started a ministry 14 years ago called Ride Nature, and we do outreach with youth all around the world using action sports, things like surfing, skateboarding, wakeboarding, just as tools to connect with kids, and, um, and we're honored to be a part of this church, honored to have FMCC be a church partner of the ministry. And if you guys can be praying for me, I leave on Wednesday to go to Brazil. I'll be in the Amazon, way up north in northern Brazil, and obviously would appreciate your guys' prayers. And we'll be going up there to help start a skate club for kids in that part of the world. And so, um, yeah, but arrivals. 
So much of the excitement about the Christmas season is centered around arrivals. The arrival of family, the arrival of friends, the arrival of the festive atmosphere, maybe the arrival of your favorite seasonal drink at your coffee shop. Uh, Our youngest daughter, the one who is sick, she keeps saying she wants to go to Lakes Park to ride the train and look at the Christmas lights. For her, that is the arrival of Christmas, that we get to do that. Uh, Maybe the arrival you're looking forward to is an Amazon Prime package on your front door. I feel like those come pretty rarely at our house. But the greatest arrival that we will get to celebrate, obviously, is the arrival of Jesus. And over the next five days, we'll get to celebrate not just Jesus' arrival, but the arrival of the things that Christ brought with him when he came to earth. And as we just heard, one of those first things is faith. Faith is... uh, is an interesting thing, right? All of scripture points to Jesus. And before we dive into this passage and before I share another little story, 700 years before Christ was born, the prophet Micah wrote these words in Micah 5.2. He said, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too small and too little to be among the clans of Judah, for from you shall come forth for me one who will be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from the old, from ancient days. 700 years before Christ, Micah writes this. And the complexity of this, I just want this to sink in, if this is one takeaway, that the complexity of this for Jesus to come from Bethlehem was so obscure. People would have thought, why? In fact, at that time, in Luke 2, at the beginning of Luke 2, it talks about a census, and that census only took place every 14 years. And if any of you are are mothers and have had babies, you would know that you would never travel fully pregnant. They don't even let you, I think. I think most doctors say you can't even get on a plane, let alone a donkey, and travel all the way to Bethlehem. Yet that's exactly what they did, and they went right back to this place. The, The sovereignty of just that prophecy alone is so crazy. But all of scripture points to Christ. Over 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled by by him coming and being born. In Luke 24, verse 27, these are Jesus' words. This is what what the writer of Luke writes. He says, in beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted them in all scriptures to the things concerning himself. That all of scriptures pointing to Christ. And through the next five days, next five Sundays that we gather, and on Christmas Eve when we gather together, we'll talk about five things that Christ brought, the first being faith, hope, love, joy, and peace. And this week, we'll talk about faith. And for the shepherds, the night that Jesus was born, it was faith that moved them. It moved them to go and seek the Messiah. And for us, my prayer today is that it's through the same faith that we will run to the stable just like they did. So I've got a story, and when Bill, when Bill had mentioned asking if I would preach, immediately my response was, well, what, what's the passage? For me, it's much easier to preach on something, especially if the Lord is using it and speaking to me through it. And so he said, it's Luke chapter 2. And I remembered a story that um, I thought was pretty funny that I'll share with you guys this morning. But my parents are here. They just recently moved back to Florida from Georgia. And when I was about seven years old, my mom had actually challenged us to memorize this entire passage from Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, the whole Christmas story. And, and I put up a fight, but I did it. We memorized it. Me and actually I have three younger sisters. 
one who's three years younger than me, four, she even memorized it. And then we had another one who was even younger. She was three years younger than her, and she was one at the time. She didn't memorize it, obviously, at one. But as she got a little older, she memorized it as well. And, uh, and not only do we memorize it, but one Sunday morning, my mom challenged me. She said, Mark, I want you to recite it in front of the whole church. I was not happy, if you can imagine. It's probably the same Sunday that she made me wear a turtleneck, too. <laughs> I remember, I remember putting up a fight with that one. But she, she told me that she wanted me to recite in front of the church. She said, Mark, it'll bless everyone. They will be so encouraged. I told her I didn't want to do it, but instead she still said she, said she was going to make me do it anyway. Well, Sunday rolled around, and, and they moved the piano bench up to the pulpit. And uh, I got up there. I stood up there. I leaned into the microphone. And you guys want to know what I said? I told her, I said, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I told you I'm not going to do it. And uh, I remember my mom just being mortified. She was so embarrassed. And if you guys have seen Home Alone, I can't say this for sure because my mom is the nicest person I know. But the bad guys in Home Alone, how they talk, is I remember my mom just squeezing my arm and being, and, and, and dragging me off stage being so mad. And so when Bill told me Luke chapter 2, I thought, wow, this has truly come full circle. (laughs) This is like deja vu all over again, except 32 years later. Um, But my mom is here, and she has it actually better memorized than me, and so she's going to come up. I actually asked her to memorize it (laughs) and, and to recite it. But to, uh, to, to lessen the load, I told her I will actually do the first part, and then she can do the second part. And so I had to brush up a little bit, but it's crazy how the Word of God sticks in your mind. 30, I'm 39. 32 years later, when, when Bill told me this passage, I said, man, I still have it. I still have it memorized. All that passage, I know it by heart. And so I'm going to do Luke 2, 1 through 8, and then I'm going to give you the last part to do. And so you guys didn't get to hear verse one through eight, but this is kind of a little pretext to what we're going to talk about today. So in those days, Caesar Augustus, he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from Nazareth to Galilee, to Bethlehem, to the house because he belonged to the house and line of David. I got to look over for some advice. He went there to be registered with, his, with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. And while they were there, the time came. He was expecting a child. Thank you. <laughs> and was expecting a child. While they were there, a time came for the baby to be born. She wrapped him in strips she of... She gave birth to her firstborn Good son. Thing. You should take over. Okay. <laughs> you can help me. Okay. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Help me out. (laughs) I brought my Bible just in case. And when When the the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Amen. Give it up for Lisa. Love you. Love you. Thank you, honey. I actually wasn't going to put her on the spot, but then yesterday I realized that I was going to botch reciting that whole thing. And so I asked her, I said, do you still have it memorized? She's like, yeah, I have it memorized. And I was like, man, I'm going to need your help. (laughs) Praise the Lord for parents, right? who pour into our lives, who disciple us, uh, who disciple us. In Deuteronomy 6, 6 or 7, this was the passage that came to my mind when I was thinking about this. It said, these words, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, these words that I have commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk with them when you sit down in your house and when you walk and when you lie down and when you rise. And praise God for a mother who did that for me, for a father who did that to me, for a wife and myself who get to do that to our children. And so I'm gonna pray today and then if you guys have a Bible, we're gonna jump into that passage, Luke chapter two, verse eight through 20. And um, yeah, thank you. Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, we love you so much. We thank you for what you have done. We thank you for coming to earth. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word that we can hide in our hearts so that we may not sin against you, Lord. We thank you that you've given us minds that can memorize the word. Lord, we thank you that you've given us just the gift of life that we can be here today, to freedom, to gather publicly, to have church. God, that we thank you so much for that. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who can't gather in this way, that have to hide when they when they meet together, Lord, that they're afraid of persecution, Lord, we pray that we will exercise the freedom that we've been given to tell the world about who you are. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray, amen. So if you've got a Bible, we're gonna go through Luke chapter two, and we're just gonna go through a little bit, um, verse by verse. I have some thoughts over each section that I'll share, and then we'll kind of wrap it up on this concept of what does it look like for us to have faith and bring faith to the world so in Luke chapter two, verse eight, as we've heard now, this will be the third time in that, in the same region where there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. You know, I've always wondered why the shepherds, and, and this isn't proven, but there's some scholars that believe that close to the temple, they would have to offer a spotless lamb for a sacrifice every day. And they say that it's possible that these shepherds were the ones that watched over the spotless lambs. And I was thinking about this. Um, If this theory is true, we don't know for sure, but if it is, of course it's significant because they were the first ones to see the ultimate spotless lamb 
that would take away the sins of the world. And I also had this thought, and again, this is just a thought, it's a theory, but we know that Gabriel was the one that appeared to Mary and Joseph, and I thought, and as I read this, I thought to myself, I thought, you know, surely Gabriel probably would have been one of the ones that came back to tell the shepherds. And you see this when he says, don't be afraid, or he says, he says fear not. It made me think in Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel Gabriel says to Mary, he says, don't be afraid that the natural reaction to Gabriel, imagining Gabriel the angel, is, would be fear. But what an amazing thought that this would be like icing on the cake for Gabriel, that he would get to share the news that all of creation was pointed to this place. That God had taken on human form, that he had come to redeem man, men, and I gotta believe that the angel was excited. But then the angel says to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. He says, don't be afraid. This news is for everyone. It's not just for you, it's not just for the shepherds, it's not just for your friends and your family, but this news is for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Messiah, they had heard of the Messiah. They knew the Messiah was coming. Everyone knew the Messiah was coming. If they were a Jew, if they were someone that had followed the prophecies, the 300 prophecies written about Christ, they knew this Messiah was coming. In John 4, 25 through 26, Jesus tells us, or we know this story of Jesus visiting the woman at the well. And if you guys remember this story, the disciples leave and Jesus stays there and he meets this woman and the woman says to him, after he tells her all these things about her life, she says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declares to her, I, the one who am speaking to you, I am he. That the Messiah was coming and people were waiting and the disciples here for the first time, the Messiah is here. And he says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We've heard that so many times. I've heard that so many times. In fact, I look up here and we have this little manger by the cross. I don't even think of it being weird anymore because you've just, we've become so accustomed to it. But no one would put their newborn baby in a manger. No one. Like the thought of someone doing that is so weird. And this is what the angel says. He said, it'll be a sign to you that the, the baby, you're going to find a baby sitting in a trough where animals eat. I also had this thought as I was reading and as I was praying that in Matthew 8, 20, this is what Jesus says to the disciples. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. That right from the beginning of his birth, it's such an image of Christ's entire life. Not only did people not have physical room, but this morning I was thinking as I was praying and just looking over my notes again, is how often do I not give God space in my heart also? That in the busyness of the holiday season, I will stay up late. Last night we watched a Christmas movie. The night before we stayed up late with friends, we would play games, and I will push Jesus to the stable of my life. That so often we avoid giving Christ the space that he's asked us for. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel. In fact, some, some commentators would say thousands of angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. Again, can you imagine the excitement of the angels? 
everything they had waited, every story they had heard, all pointing to this place. And when the angels had left him and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They didn't wait. In fact, I was thinking about this also. If the, if the shepherds would have gone back to tending their fire, laying under the stars, looking at the sky, looking at the sheep, and had they not hurried off, it would have been so weird, right? Like the thought that they had just seen thousands of angels, they had heard the Messiah was born. What did they do? They believed. They had faith and they ran. They hurried. Uh, the ESV says they had made haste as they left. But how often do we do the same thing? We hear the news, yet we go right back to scrolling on our phone, to watching something on TV, taking a nap on Sunday afternoon. It usually isn't with haste that we run. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what they had been told about this child. They spoke of what they had seen. The play, they placed their eyes on Jesus and the baby and they didn't get to see anything else except a newborn baby. And yet they knew this baby was the Messiah. He was the one that all scripture had pointed to. He was the one that the prophecies were talking about. And what did they do? They spoke. They spoke of what they had seen. They saw it and they couldn't help but speak. In chapter four, if you guys have, if your Bibles are open, you can turn there quickly. In chapter four of Acts, Acts chapter four, verse 16 through 20, there's another story of Peter and John arrested for preaching the gospel and they were told that they couldn't speak any longer. And this is what the story says and this is what Acts says. It says, what shall we do with these men for that a notable sign has been performed and through them it is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. They couldn't help. They saw it and they couldn't help but speak. They spoke because they witnessed Christ. And look at the outcome of the rest. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. This is the outcome of us getting to share the good news. When we get to bring the good news to us, people will be amazed. And this passage ends with Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They saw Jesus as a baby. They didn't get to witness miracles other than the miracle of him being born. But Jesus was enough. They knew he was enough. And when Jesus came to earth, when he was born as a baby, he brought with him faith. One of the five pillars or five solace of our church is this idea of faith alone. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
That faith is a gift and it is through faith alone that we are saved. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it defines faith as this. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The shepherds had this experience with God and this experience led them to faith and movement towards seeking the Messiah. And God revealing himself, stirring their faith, sends them on mission. But I don't know about you, but as I read that story and I thought about faith, I thought, I've never seen what they got to see. I never saw the angels. I haven't got to see physically Jesus in the manger. And faith seems like it would be so much easier if we just got to see. But the reality is we do get to see. And last night we watched this movie with our girls. We watched Santa Claus. And spoiler alert to anyone, if you have kids with little kids, well, that's okay. I, won't. I believe in Santa. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, but if you watch that movie, you see in the movie Santa Claus, the old one with Tim Allen, if you see what he sees, you will believe in Santa Claus. You're like, for sure, Santa's real. You go to the North Pole, you start gaining 100 pounds. That's happened to me quickly, actually. Um, but you would believe. And I thought to myself, I said, man, if I just got to see what the disciples saw, I would believe. I would believe so much deeper. And then the Lord convicted me and reminded me of this passage in John 20, 29. Jesus says to Thomas, who doubted because he wanted to see. He said, man, Lord, if I could just see. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they still believe. That faith is a gift to us given from God and it has the power of God that lives within us so that we can believe without seeing always. Just like Hebrews 11 says, it's the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. But there's this quote by A.W. Tozer and I'm gonna bring it up on the, on the screen. It's a little wordy, so I want you guys to hang, hang with me. I think Bill shared this years ago but this verse has stuck with me for a long time, and this is what it says. It says, between the scribe who has read and the prophet who has seen, there is, as different, there is a difference as wide as the sea between the scribe that has read and the prophet that has seen. Today, we are today overrun with orthodox scribes, but the prophets, where are they? The hard voice of the scribe sounds over evangelicalism, but the church awaits the tender voice of the saint who has penetrated the veil and gazed with inward eye upon the wonder that is God. And yet thus to penetrate, to push into sensitive living experience into the holy place is a privilege open to every child of God. Just let that sink in, this thought, the one who has penetrated the veil and gazed with an inward eye upon the one that is God. It is a privilege that is available to every one of us. So what is our response? Our response, if you're taking notes, I think these are the questions on the back, is to live in the fullness of faith that Christ truly is the Messiah. That he is the one who has come to save us, to set us free. That we get to see him in his glory. That we get to see him as God and that we get to share him with the world. Again, this is another one I think I stole from Bill. I don't know if he got it from somewhere else, but it's this quote, that we naturally extend to others the things that we enjoy, 
but we only enjoy the things that we experience. Say it one more time. We naturally extend to others the things that we enjoy, but we only enjoy the things that we experience. Maybe you guys have a favorite restaurant, a movie that you love that is like your favorite, and it would be so weird if you kept it a secret. If you didn't talk about it, if you didn't tell your friends, go to this restaurant, go eat this food, the best. In fact, I went to Topgolf the other day and Josiah left Topgolf and he came back to our office. He said, man, the chicken sandwich at Topgolf is the best chicken sandwich I've ever had. He's talked about the dumb chicken sandwich at Topgolf because he loved it. It was like so good to him. It would be weird if you didn't speak about the things you love. So my question today is, have you run to the stable like the shepherds? Have you seen, have you gazed upon God? Have you seen his goodness? And if so, what was the outcome? We live in a faithless world that's only growing. A couple months ago, I was in Europe. They say that they're so post-Christian that there's far more people who are totally atheists than anyone that believes in anything. There are millions of people around the world that have no faith And God has chosen not only to bless us with the gift of faith, but to use us as the vessel to bring that faith to the world. In Romans 10, 17, this is what the apostle Paul writes. He says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That we have the honor, we have the privilege of getting to bring faith to a faithless world, but we do it because we have seen God. This is the last two more, two more verses in John 17, 15 through 21. This is Jesus praying to the Father, and this is what he asks. He says, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. You ready for this? I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, as you and me, as you in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We naturally extend to others the things that we enjoy, but we only enjoy the things that we experience. I'm gonna invite Bill, we're playing, we're gonna invite you back up real quick and anyone else that's playing with him. And my prayer in this message today is twofold. It is for those that have witnessed, for those that have seen the good news, who have gazed upon the Lord, who have run to the stable and have seen Jesus in the major, my challenge is that we will share that faith with the world. But my second challenge, my second prayer is that for those who have yet to do so, I know without a doubt there are people in this room who have never seen, who have never had the privilege of gazing upon the Lord. And my hope and prayer is that today will be the day that you will leave here or in this moment as we pray that you will say, Lord, give me faith. Help me to see you. Show me yourself. Reveal yourself to me. In Acts chapter 1-8, this is one of the last things that Jesus says to the disciples before he leaves. 
that we are called to speak of what we have seen and heard. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You will speak of what you have seen. You will witness the things that you have seen and you will share them with the world. But if you have not witnessed, if you have not seen, if you have yet to gaze upon the Lord, if you lack faith, there is no greater gift in this Christmas season that you can ask for. And there is no one better than the Lord to ask for this gift, which is faith. This is what Jesus says in Luke eleven nine 9 through 13. He says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks and the one, and for everyone who receives and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead of a fish will give him a servant? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Be the worst dad in the world if you did that. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you don't have faith, the Lord is saying, ask. If you lack faith, he's saying, ask. My prayer today is that, much like the people in the inn, is that we won't just push Jesus to the outside. That we won't push him to the, to the stable and say, Lord, I'll give you a little bit of time over this Christmas season, but that we will invite the Lord to be the center and the purpose. And this Advent season, as we celebrate the arrival of Christ, we'll say, Lord, here's all of my life. Lord, I have faith in you. Jesus, Lord, we love you. Thank you. We thank you that your word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, that it pierces both our heart, our bone, our soul, our marrow, Lord, as your word says. God, I pray that, Lord, you will strengthen our faith. Much like the disciples, Lord, who witnessed this thing, that, Lord, they had no other option but to go. Lord, because they saw, they saw, they witnessed, and they ran, and they hurried. God, I pray that you will show us who to hurry to. You'll put people in front of us, whether it's our neighbors, our family, our friends, Lord, that we will run to them, and we will tell them about the good news, the glory, the Messiah, Lord, that you have come. Lord, I pray that it won't be out of obligation. Lord, that it won't be just out of obedience but it'll be because truly you have shown yourself. You have revealed yourself to us, Lord, that we have seen you and that we have run to you and we have run to those around us. Lord, strengthen my faith, strengthen our faith this Christmas season. Lord, help us to believe even greater in the truth of who you are. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray, amen.